All right, Crypto, let's take off the necklaces because we got a very modern story to be talking about today. So we did The Paper Menagerie by Ken Liu. That one was like being slapped across the face with a nice piece of warm homemade bread. The thing around your neck is like being slapped across the face with brass knuckles wrapped in sandpaper because get your tissues out, folks. This one's going to be a ride. (laughs) Welcome to the Codex Cantina where I am the non-bloviated Una. And I am the sad crypto. This was a heartbreaker. I, I'm sorry, man. This one, this one just pulled on my heartstrings. And you know me, I I don't get emotional. But this one, this one, I felt. I really yeah. did. This one, I'm pretty sure won awards, and it deserves it. So Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, the thing around your neck, just the short story, not the whole short story collection that this was named after, is what we're covering today. And as always, we start off with publication information, and The Thing Around Your Neck was published in June of 2004 in Prospect 99, and then later re-released in 2008 as the collection of different stories, The Thing Around Your Neck, the book. And we will leave a link down below where you can read this for free. Now, for the author and themes, what's what's worth noting about Chimamanda Adichie is that she is a Nigerian writer, and I guess what she's really well known for is that she has sparked a new generation of readers to become interested in African literature. Yeah, and I think nowadays that's more important than ever because I think that really helps with younger readers to help diversify the different cultures they're reading about and know that black culture is not just monolithic and it's not just reserved for one month out of the year as well. So this story was written in the second person narration, which I know you have expressed before that you really enjoy the immersive elements of it. You know, this time it is a female, Akuna, who we are becoming almost in this story. How did you feel kind of, you know, following that character around? You should know my answer. (laughs) Oh, come on, that was funny. No, I love where the author pulls me in and makes me the character because I feel that you become more emotionally invested. And as I became Akuna, I became more attached to her story and it made me feel things that I didn't think I could feel from a story. And as a result, I enjoyed it more. But as that enjoyment comes out, I also became a little more heartbroken. And I feel that I was able to learn a little bit more about this culture and what it means for people from other nations coming to the United States, hoping for that American dream and how that might not always be the perception that they're being taught at home. So let's move through the plot real quick and then jump into some analysis for this story. So for plot, our main character, Akuna, wins the American Visa Lottery and travels from Nigeria to America to live with her pseudo-uncle, I'll call him. Creepy old uncle. Her pseudo-creepy old uncle, though married, makes a pass at Akuna expecting something in return for all he's done for her. Akuna leaves and hops onto a bus to head out to Connecticut where she gets a job as a waitress at a restaurant. Most of the patrons assume she's from Jamaica or, you know, racially stereotyping her, if you will, or have a very surface assumption of her African heritage as they talk to her. Until one day, a white patron begins uh, attempting to woo her with his knowledge of her country and, and how interested he is in various African cultures and literature. They soon begin a relationship, but the boy is rich and condescending and knows of her culture, but doesn't really know it or understand it. I guess it's kind of hard to articulate that. He's he's, book, he's booked on it, but he isn't experienced on it, if you will. 
When they're together, he doesn't correct people when they assume that she's not his girlfriend. And eventually, Akuna writes home and learns that her father has passed away. And she flies alone home. And that's kind of the ending of the story. <laughs> oh, man, another cliffhanger. What are you doing to me this week? <laughs> I, I keep picking these cliffhangers this week, I guess. So there's, um, there's a lot in the story. There really is. And what I really like is actually when, when, when a first line grabs me, you know what I mean? I'm usually in for the story. And I love the way that you have the quote, you thought everybody in America had a car and a gun. Your uncles and aunts and cousins thought so too. And that just starts out with these expectations that we're putting on Americans, right? The American dream. We all have all this money and, and these cars. And, and yes, we are not a third world country, but it is putting expectations on how Americans ought to be right from the start, from the very first sentence. Yeah, and in the story, Akuna is told not to get a gun when she comes over here. And I think what Adichie is doing here is kind of flipping this very stereotypical idea of how Americans view Africans that, oh, they're all barbaric and violent. And that she's flipping here saying, don't go over there and be like the Americans because they're all violent and barbaric. And I, I love the flipping of the cultures here because we always view each other a lot of times in these negative senses through all of time because different it's hard you struggle with understanding so if you can make it negative it's easier to accept those differences that's a good classroom question of, of why do you think they didn't want her to get a gun because i bet you every student or, or person reading this story might have a different answer on that one for me something that was kind of i don't know what it is man maybe it's just it's just my childhood man but when when she landed with the hot dog and the mustard I'm totally just like, oh my gosh, because they didn't say where she was going in America at this point. Like It's like the next sentence, but I'm like, is she in Chicago? <laughs> and it's those little cultural things like in Chicago, you don't put ketchup on the hot dog, right? It's, it's mustard, and they didn't mention the ketchup at all. And I got kind of like excited. And I think this is one of those stories where I think even just culturally, she speaks to a lot of different things in the story. Like they talked about the wife having to travel an hour to go to a salon that handles black hair. And we talked about this recently in uh, Zora Neale Hurston's story, where the hair is a very important cultural element to to some peoples. Yeah, and I think this kind of brings up the idea of like assimilation, right? As Akuna comes into our country, she's trying to assimilate into the American ideals, the matter identity, and you know, dressing and acting and talking, but. She isn't willing to give up her entire heritage, and we see that persist throughout the story, and especially how the story ends, that she's like, my family's more important than anything, and that she's willing to drive that far out of her way to keep a part of her African heritage intact as she becomes Americanized. And there's even those small references to, like, for example, like the brown envelope where they talk about how she's used to the brown envelope being used to pay off or bribe or, or purchase better grades. But it can also be used to spend money and, well, to send money back home to Africa where that money might be stretched further than it could in America. And it's kind of like that idea of investing in yourself, maybe, with bribing your own great grades, I guess is one view to look at it. Or invest, investing back home and your culture and your friends and family with sending money back home, too. Uh, very interesting the way that the, the brown envelope can represent different things in the story, too. Yeah, and Akuna even herself, well, 
as you follow the story as her, she even indicates that the American dream is not what it seems and that she feels like because she's a black immigrant, she's being treated different, being viewed as a Jamaican, as you mentioned before, and that Akuna doesn't seem to have all the opportunities that were portrayed to her back in Africa. And she had this promise of this great life and that she was going to make all this money and be able to send it all back home. And that doesn't come to fruition. And that kind of bums her out. And I think is one of the ultimate reasons why she says, you know what? I just want to be with my family. The money is not worth this. And I think that what might be one of the major underlying themes of this is that family is more important than what some other country could lure you off and mean more to you than the prospect of money. I could see that. I definitely, for me, one of the biggest takeaways was was the opposition and the give and take mentality of what do you have to give up sometimes in order to take in other areas. I think even just unequal opportunity too. I thought it was really interesting the way when she first arrives, you have the pseudo uncle, like he's painting this, well, I, I, I get paid more than, than the white people because I'm the token diversity employee for this company. I get put on all of the, the brochures, you know, and, and everybody, you know, like looks at me to be the diversity employee. And I think it's interesting the way that he kind of paints this because it's kind of like, I don't know what that thing around your neck is. I can't articulate that. And I don't even know if I should articulate that. But it's it, to me, it almost speaks a little bit to of what do you give up and what is it that's strangling something about you to get something else? And maybe one way to look at the uncle is he's giving up maybe some of his culture, maybe some of his pride, maybe some of his authenticity in order to get like that kind of smoother ride, I guess, is one of the ways that he's depicted. And it's almost like, okay, so if he's the the immigrant that's getting like the smooth ride by giving up his, okay, yeah, I'm the token black guy, I show up in departments that I don't even work in for pictures. It's almost directly comparable to the restaurant owner who specifically is trying to hire immigrants because he can pay them less. He knows that they work harder. And, and didn't they mention something about taxes too? I might be, that might be my own personal life when I was a waiter. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you get paid very little. That's for sure. I think that well, what I kind of saw is like the thing around your neck as it grows for Akuna is as we experience this story with her is her resentment of both sides. She sees that white privilege, but she also sees how her uncle is behaving and manipulating the situation. And she grows to despise both sides, I think, equally. And and she realizes that everybody is kind of putting on this front and that none of it is genuine. And that's something that I think breaks her heart in the end. It almost seemed to me like maybe part of the future is like when you're comparing these opposites, it's always at the, what do I give in order to, to take, right? Like there, there's that quote and now uncle even said something to her like, honey, back home, how do you think the, the women in the well-off paying jobs got that, right? They had to give up, you know, their, some sexual advances from the men in order to, to get those positions. And it's almost kind of like that divide of, of these choices that you make are going to impact your future one way or another. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback on what you said there with her future, and I think that we get some really good foreshadowing in this story, and I love that when Akuna gets the fortune cookie, do you remember what was on it? I think it was just blank. I didn't really understand that part. Yeah, I, I think that that's the foreshadowing of that we don't know what's going to happen to her life, that she knows she needs to make a change in her life, but her life is a blank slate still at this point of where she can go down these two paths that have been presented to her of kind of the false 
African-American dream by her uncle or, you know, what is truly the American identity and, and dream or possibly go back to her family. And although the story is left at open ended, it's pretty much very heavily insinuated that she's going to make her way back to Africa for her family since her father just passed away. But I love the nuance of that blank fortune cookie kind of giving you that hint of you don't know what's in store for Akuna. She hasn't made up her mind yet. And I just I love that. It's so good. Well, it's kind of like she sees how some people are giving up their authentic cultural background and identity. And I think when she's kind of looking at that, like when she's like she's almost playing the token diversity wife for this man right like like he's obviously super condescending and in, in, into african women maybe the idea of an african woman is more interesting than actual akuna to, to him right and that's you know there's a couple different points where they talk about that thing around her neck tightening and to me you know i don't want to put words to it but every time she went more towards the path of her grandfather of, of giving up that cultural identity or authenticity that's when it felt to me like she felt strangled or she felt like she was giving up a little bit more than the other path. And I think that that to me is, is how I interpreted the ending of like, she's feeling a little bit too constricted and constrained by this American deal. She has to give up too much in order to take. And I don't think that's what she wants. I think she wants more of that simple life and the loving life of connecting with individuals more so than the, the what she experienced when she was at least here. Yeah, I, I don't know what exactly the thing around your neck is. I don't know, as you said, if we can put words to it. It's like trying to describe love or hate. Those words are just inadequate. But for me, the closest thing that I felt it might be was her conscience. And she had to listen to that of, am I going to go back to Nigeria or am I going to live this fake American life that has been presented to me? I'm probably wrong, but that's how I interpret it as I was a Kuna going through this story. You know, and it's really weird. I had the smallest little, I don't know why, but it reminded me the first time I've experienced something like this as a little kid, like even recognizing that that, that this existed was, uh, I was, the, did you ever see that movie in American Tale? Oh yeah, Fievel. Yeah, they have that song. There are no cats in America, and the streets are paved with cheese. <laughs> yeah. As a, as a very young child, I was like, what are they talking about? There's cats here. There's there's no streets made out of cheese. And it's <laughs> but but it's it's the going back to the beginning of the story of every American has that big car, every American has a gun. We put these expectations onto people. And these expectations were put onto Akuna about how she's supposed to perform as, as this Nigerian immigrant, both as a, a, a woman and, and, and lover to this man and as a performer, of a, as a waitress to, to this restaurateur. But we put these expectations and performance onto people. And I think that comes at a cost in terms of give and take. And I, and I just couldn't help but kind of have some nostalgic elements of my first time kind of thinking about how we do put these expectations onto other people. I was very... Uh kind of taken aback by the use of the word lotto, you know, hitting the American lotto to think mm -hmm. that this was all going to be positive for Akuna. And then obviously mm. the story turns out very different. And I think that is the unrealistic mm. expectation that everybody is going to become one of those philanthropists, you know, uh, 
Rockefellers. And that just really isn't true. It's kind of like many things in life is that there are these expectations and then there's real life where you are down in the work pit, so to speak. And I think that that word lotto really hung with me as I was reading through this story as it, you know, expectations, as I said, were just mm-hmm. kind of subverted time after time after time as you just see yeah. Akuna's eyes being open to the reality of the situation that this is not a lotto. The thing around the neck could be a curse of so, so to speak. Mm, interesting. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Well, all right, guys, let's move into our subjective ratings. Crypto, what are you going to give this one? Oh, nine out of 10. Easy. Uh, okay. I, I don't know if this won any awards. I didn't look up that exact information, but I'm, I'm sure it had to be nominated for some type of award. It is just a much grittier look at kind of the assimilation of people from other countries into the into America and the American identity. And while I love the paper menagerie, this one got me more in the feels than that. And maybe that says more about me uh, than than the story itself. But I absolutely love this story. If you like the paper menagerie, read this one, do yourself a favor, get the box of tissues ready, because it is a heartbreaker, but worth the time and the read. What are you going to give it? I would say, and this is a subjective rating, nothing to do with what I think the quality of the story, just how did it hit me? This was actually a little bit lower for me. I'm going to say it's probably like a 6.5 or a 7. I think the Paper Menagerie was more of the the style that I'm looking for, where it has like that innocence wrapping up that gut punch. This was just so brutal. And for some reason, it just didn't connect with me personally. I still think it's a great story, and I think it's perfect for many people out there. It just didn't hit me in the way that um, I think like this would be a piece that I reach for again. I think your idea of America is wrong then. <laughs> that's like the first story we've ever disagreed on. <laughs> that's that's kind of apropos, right? I mean, that's yeah. the idea of this story. That's kind of perfect. I'm glad that we kind of disagreed on it. Yeah. Well, all right, guys. We appreciate you checking out our chat today. We post videos every Monday and Thursday. If you're down for a conversational approach for literature, make sure you hit that subscribe button to join us. Una out. Peace.